0: There's a column for the A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9, ooh, 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 we know those are cells. Hello, welcome to our 21st episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today I'm talking to Caroline Dorn and Ellie Klein-Goldman, who together make up Real Time Strategy, a synagogue and Jewish non-profit consulting firm, as well as the Twitter account Rogue Shul. I met Caroline and Ellie through Who Knows One, a Jewish geography game started in quarantine and played on Facebook. Who Knows One, formerly known as Jewish Geography Zoom Racing, is central to the origin story of this podcast and, teaser alert, On our next episode, I get to talk to Micah Hart, the founder and host of Who Knows One. That will be our last episode for our inaugural season, after which we'll take a break until September, when we'll be back with a series of writers who love podcasts, leading up to the release of my second novel, Liminal Summer, which comes out in November. But back to Ellie and Caroline. I think they might be my spreadsheet soulmates. They said some really insightful things about the usefulness of spreadsheets and the limits of spreadsheets. These are people who know spreadsheets really, really well and also understand that they are merely a tool and often a planning tool that becomes obsolete as you and your project grow. They actually changed my whole outlook on CRMs, which, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know is no small task. And as a former admissions and engagement professional, and someone who really likes people, what Caroline and Ellie had to say about spreadsheets not being able to do the work for you, no matter how pretty they are, and how spreadsheets can't prove your intuition, even though your intuition often serves you very well in these fields, really resonated for me. We also talked about what it's like to work with other people who don't love spreadsheets as much as we do. There are some scary, scary stories in that segment. Towards the end of our talk, Ellie mentions the podcast, I Pray You Put This Journal Away, which I immediately started listening to. And wow, I highly recommend you check it out. If you know me in real life, you know I'm a progressive Jew living in an area of America that is inhabited mostly by conservative Christians. I thought I knew all there was to know about Christian fundamentalists, but this podcast is amazing and such a deep and genuine look into the lives of people who were children in Christian fundamentalist homes and who have left that world. My chat with Caroline and Ellie was recorded on May 13th and we're releasing it on June 15th. Please remember to wear your mask, Black Lives Still Matter, Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. Please follow us on Twitter at column underscore pod and please be in touch. Well, hello there, Caroline and Ellie. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space related to or unrelated to spreadsheets? How do you two know each other? How do we know each other? What are we all doing here? Take it away.
1: Sure, so um, Ellie and I are synagogue consultants. We run a company called Real-Time Strategy, um, and we work with synagogues to make their work more efficient, often using spreadsheets. Uh, We met at Temple Shalom in Newton, where we both worked for a number of years, and that's where we discovered our shared love of spreadsheets, and I learned a lot from Ellie um, about the ways that she used it in her work. Um, and we really hit it off and decided to go into business together. We both live in the greater Boston area. I'm in Brookline, and Ellie is in Framingham, and uh, we love spreadsheets. Yeah,
2: I'm Ellie. I grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana, and then bounced around the country a little bit and came to Boston, the Boston area, in 2008. Uh, I have worked in Jewish life my whole career. I started as a Nifty regional advisor in the last millennium and then uh, went to HUC and have been working in synagogues ever since. And I actually discovered Excel in my very first job um, working for Nifty in 1997. And it was like discovering a little pot of gold and it has just gotten
1: better and better ever since. I actually had to take an Excel test to get my last job and it was so comically easy. It was really, really basic Excel stuff. And I remember I was just out of college and I didn't I felt embarrassed that I got a hundred and I thought they would think I was cheating. so I said I got a
0: 95. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually had to take something from my grad degree that was like computer and tech skills. and I was like, is there any way that I can pass out of this? And they're like, well yeah, but it's like, hard and I was like bring it on and it was like a word test and an excel test and I was like please can you waive that requirement yeah any hobbies unrelated to Jewish life or spreadsheets or no I always feel
2: boring about not having hobbies but I have three children you know and a husband who I hang out with and Caroline in a business I I mean Caroline do
1: I have any hobbies I really don't you can make some really cool drinks like you are sort of like an amateur mixologist yeah that's true i am a comedian i took a lot of comedy school classes before the pandemic um and then i feel like we put we both put that into use into our other hobby rogue (laughs) shul right Um, so we are the voice behind rogue shul on twitter and while there's not a spreadsheet behind that i feel like it is a
0: combination of all of our interests
1: and passions
0: Yes, that's I find, true. I find that account incredibly funny. So Thank you. I also, Ellie, w- with you when people are like, well, but like, what, what else is there about you? And I was like, um.
2: In what time? I mean, I could tell you all the things I did before I had kids. Right. I used to quilt. I can deliver babies. You know, what? those are things. You yeah. Can- I'm a wedding veils. I used to make wedding veils. That's true. I used to make and sell children's clothing.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I have all of those time management issues, but I also, I'm a writer. So like I've monetized my favorite hobby. Like right. I, like people pay me to write, which is awesome. I would be writing even if they weren't paying me, but it's now sort of no longer a hobby. It's, it's right. weird how that happens. If only yeah. I could get paid to listen to true crime podcasts, then we'd be golden. So... How do you two interact with spreadsheets in your work and your life? do you want to start,
1: Caroline? No, you take it away. I can see you itching. All right. So yeah, that's fine. I am.
2: So I don't remember what it was last week, but somebody made a comment about, oh, there was a shared document that was constantly being uploaded and someone in their professional, their colleague was just making a new Excel spreadsheet and saving a new one every time rather than a shared document. And it really, honest to God, hurt my stomach to hear that. Um, so
1: I would say my first go-to when we have a project or a mystery to tackle is Google Sheets. We kind and, of start projects based on the spreadsheet we could create. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the
2: spreadsheet starts by the answer that we're trying to get out of the data nothing
0: makes me happier than like a cover page with stats Ugh. love it love it and Caroline, i'm going to give you an opportunity to answer you don't have to you, you both don't have to answer every question but i want you to have the opportunity
1: i think i need you to repeat the question
0: like how do you interact with spreadsheets like what's your main what's the main way they're in your work or your life or both
1: Well, a spreadsheet can really help me organize any of my thoughts. Um, So it's often the first place that we start when we're brainstorming, and the last place we end when a project is finished, and often that's the same document. Um, And the way that it transforms throughout a process varies from thing to thing, but it pretty much all just starts with a blank grid and a list of terms or list of things we're thinking about. And then from there, it evolves. We actually, I was looking the other day at the spreadsheet that we began when we thought about starting a consulting company. And it's just like a list of things we thought we might do and what we thought we might charge for them. And now like it's, it's totally it's a running business, right? Like it's different. We have different spreadsheets for that kind of thing, but it's really fascinating to look back at a project and see its growth through a Google Sheet.
2: What I love most about a spreadsheet is that it embodies progress. Uh, In the work that we do, specifically, because we're not kind of tabulating numbers, but it is literally the ability to look and see what you have accomplished and what you have left to accomplish. I mean, I don't know what is better than that.
0: Agreed. Um, What is the biggest or your favorite problem, program, or project that you've tackled with a spreadsheet? Brandon, you just said you literally started a business with a spreadsheet. So maybe- <laughs> why don't
2: we guess the other one's favorite <laughs> okay. spreadsheet? Okay. <laughs> I
0: have a thought about what your favorite spreadsheet is.
2: Um, I have a thought about yours too. Okay. So I think that Caroline's favorite spreadsheet, it's a toss up, which is what I think you would say, but I think that you're very top number one would be the nursery school enrollment spreadsheet that sorted out what openings were left and your number two very close second would be the boomer engagement spreadsheet that you made for temple shalom that showed who had become more or less engaged
1: yes absolutely i i think i would give you more credit for the boomer engagement one because that premise came from a different spreadsheet that you created for youth engagement but definitely the nursery school one. I had this amazing spreadsheet to track like enrollment, enrollment trends, how much tuition was, extended day, when people registered, if they had siblings, how many spots were left open at 7.30 a.m. on a Tuesday versus 3.30 on a Wednesday. Um, and when those spots were filled and you were on that spreadsheet, that meant you were registered in my head. Um, I think Ellie's favorite spreadsheet. Oh, this is a hard one because Ellie has like a favorite spreadsheet of the mo- moment. And every day she's like, look at this beautiful spreadsheet I made. Um, but I think that Ellie has a really, really awesome budgeting spreadsheet that really oh. makes budgeting. I don't know that I would say this is your favorite, but it's one of mine. Um, it really makes budgeting for any organization, even like your family or your own household, to like a multi million dollar organization, really simple and really navigable and really um, manageable for even somebody who's not comfortable with numbers. And it makes sense. And it's able to be closed in and out of certain tabs and to only show information that's relevant and can be privacy protected if it has salaries on it. It really has a little bit of everything. And I think it's a template that we've used in
0: many of our organizations. It's a beauty. Wow. I am... I'm very curious to see what that spreadsheet looks like. You do not have to share it, but that sounds amazing. We have
2: a template that's shareable and uh, I am happy,
0: any of your listeners should reach out and I am happy to share it with you as well. Wow, we will get your contact (laughs) info at the end of the show and we will post it in the show notes. But I, it's interesting for someone who is so pro spreadsheet, I am actually not great at household budgeting, but I am good at spending below my means. So it's, it, it's something that I've tried. I've had friends help me set up budgets before. I think my problem is because I'm a very black and white thinker and I want things to be perfect and because life is not perfect, that like, you know, the $3,000 car repair, because there's no real way to plan for it. Now you can plan savings and you can plan cushions and all of that, but because every month really does look different, mm-hmm. it has always frustrated me to try to put it into a spreadsheet form because it will never be right. Like, absolutely. actually,
2: I do not have a personal finance spreadsheet. Okay, I did years ago, but I but I don't anymore.
0: My children,
2: however, each have a spreadsheet and that is their money like we don't have to worry about loose cash around when they get checks or even cash for our birthday gifts they give it to me we put it on their spreadsheet and when they want to spend money they take it off
0: we do that um, too
2: so much easier
0: oh my god so much. now we we just went through this sort of during the pandemic and my husband belongs to a credit union in town and i said you know when it's safe maybe take them both to open up a credit union account and then we will actually give them that money and it'll go there but I'm not, I'm not there yet because I think this has worked really well for us the last 18 months. And um, my daughter, even during the pandemic has a little pet sitting business and, you know, people Venmo me money. Exactly. And I just log it on the sheet.
2: Or if there's some, you know, unusual task that I want them to do, yep. and I don't have the cash to give them $2. I can just add it to their spreadsheet.
1: Yep. I, I thought of another good spreadsheet I didn't mention because we don't use it for work. But my dad has a spoon collection. He collects like antique spoons from old hotels. And for years they've all been, A of all sitting in our dining room, the spoons. But um, like he scratches it on a little piece of paper of like, this is where I got it. And this is what it costs. And like the information doesn't match and it's hard to read. And when I was home for a little bit during COVID I was like, I'm putting this on a Google sheet. So all of the information about prices and where they came from and whatever. And it all corresponds into a map so he can see in real time, all the places, there's two maps, one that's nationwide. So he, I can see that he has a lot in like the New York area, which is where we're from um, and around the country. So now he knows what he's looking for. I are like, dad, you need more in Tokyo. Like you need to get some, some spoons from the Nebraska area.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I just interviewed someone it's going up this week who has a Fiestaware spreadsheet. So that when she or a friend is at like a tent sale, she knows what pieces she still wants and what she still has. So interesting, fascinating. All right, though, what are the limits of spreadsheets? What kind of problems can they not solve or what kind of projects can they not take on?
2: Spreadsheets cannot often prove your intuition. And when you, I use them when I was in youth engagement to uh, create proof that folks were engaging, quantitative proof, but that is not always capturable in spreadsheets. And when your world is community building, that is hard.
1: I think on a similar note, a spreadsheet can provide direction on things you might need to do or approaches you might need to take or directions you might wanna go in, but they can't do that work for you. Um, in a, an amazing engagement spreadsheet can't actually engage the people. And it doesn't mean that you're doing the work. It just structures it for you. You still have to be good at your work and take on leadership roles and care about people. And there's only so much that the computer can do for that. Mm. It's so, just
2: a tool.
1: It's, and frankly, it's just a plan. Budgets are just a plan that is hopefully thoughtful
2: and well-intentioned, but it doesn't replace decision-making
0: or initiative. Agreed. And I think there is that, that, what you were saying Ellie about it can't prove intuition. And what I was saying about like, I don't want a budget spreadsheet because it's never gonna be hundred percent accurate. So it actually can't help me. I've done um, like expense spreadsheets. And I think I've talked about this on the show before. I have a bill of paying spreadsheet So every month for the last probably 10 years, I can tell you how much I paid for our electric and how much I paid for our gas. And sometimes that lulls me into thinking I know how much money we're spending every month, except (laughs) anything I pay with cash is not on there. Anything that's automatically paid is not on there because really what it is, is a list of bills I need to pay every month. You paid and i yeah. just happen to put the amount in with it. So it gives me an apples to apples comparison for 10 years, but it literally doesn't tell me how much i spent on like takeout for the last 10 years. But
2: nobody wants to know that. Like that is not helpful to quantify how much you're paying for takeout.
0: No. No. It also doesn't have our cell phone bill cuz my husband pays that. So like i don't know what we It doesn't pay. exist. It doesn't exist. Exactly. So i do think there is a moment you know, that can either lull you into thinking, you know, everything because it's on a spreadsheet, but that data is only as good as the data that's put in. Or like you said, no, no, I know this program is working. I, it doesn't look like it on this piece of paper. And that is pretty frustrating, yeah. especially for those of us who love putting that stuff into Excel. And because there are so many programs that it does prove things are working. Correct. And uh, Caroline, my, my background was admissions, like admissions and financial aid for private schools and colleges. And I, the spreadsheet you described sounds like a, you know, a wonder, Um, but yeah, if you're not out there meeting people and getting them in the building, it doesn't matter how great your spreadsheet is. Yeah. What about the silliest thing you've ever used a spreadsheet for?
2: I did one for our school's talent show two years ago, our elementary school. I don't know if that's so silly um we had one for names of our kids and ranked them Mm -hmm. and then sort of statistically figured out which names
0: we might both not hate kind of so did you do that blind or did you see each other's rankings or yes yeah 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 it was all it was all visible that was pretty silly okay
1: i think i had a really hopeful um things i'm gonna accomplish during two weeks of covid spreadsheet which was so, so cute. I was like, I'm going to do all these puzzles and I'm going to tackle this art project and this home improvement thing. And maybe I'll learn Mandarin. I didn't, I didn't really think I was going to learn Mandarin, but uh, you know, I was so hopeful about all of the things. And obviously two weeks became way more. And even if it was just two weeks, I wouldn't have been able to do all of that. But in a way it was like a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. of this thing we'd never been through. And Attempting to put all of that angst into a spreadsheet was far-fetched and I knew it, but it was something to do with all of the unknown.
0: Caroline, I'm guessing even though COVID turned out to be much longer than two weeks, you probably didn't even accomplish everything that was on the two-week spreadsheet, right?
1: No, and I gave myself permission to stop trying, which right. was helpful too. I mean, a good spreadsheet, I think, I think many good spreadsheets have an end date, you know, that they're no longer useful. Because if we all use the same spreadsheets for our whole lives, we're probably not growing all that much. Right. Um, So not everything is useful forever. And I think there is something to be said for this. This thing is not serving me anymore. And there's this other project that's calling my attention.
0: Right. I um, In synagogues, it's the same. It's like
2: there's a column for that. So sometimes that column is obsolete. Right. And we need to be,
0: we need to hide it.
2: right? And add a new column. Yeah. Anyway,
0: you were going to say, I was going to say that meme that I've seen that said, like, I always thought if I had more time, the house would be neater, but apparently time wasn't the problem. So like Caroline, when I saw that, I was like, I am done beating myself up about what the house looks like during a global pandemic. I just was looking through my Google
1: sheets too. And I saw another one that while I'm saying it, I'm like, I don't know if I should say this on a podcast, but I was, when I moved to Boston, I was trying to date and I kept a spreadsheet of all the people I'd already gone out with, um, which turned into like a spreadsheet of all the queer Jews in Boston, which then turned into an engagement effort because I then invited them all for a Shabbat dinner after a while. And it was like too big. And I was like, it wasn't like, it sounds way sketchier than it was. Like, I just wanted to, to know who they were and where they came from and how i met them and how I'd reach them again I wasn't trying to stalk them but when I say that out loud it's kind of a weird thing to think about
0: well I will tell you that someone on the podcast admitted to keeping a spreadsheet of online dating with ratings so you Mm -hmm. weren't rating people so you are you have I mean there's someone out there who's already admitted to much worse so okay I feel better and I feel like it went to really good use actually
1: we had some great Shabbat dinners also when i lived in la
2: i accidentally went out with the same person twice four years apart and if i had had a spreadsheet i probably would not have done that and it wasn't until i had to break up with him a second time that i yeah
0: so. did he not remember Mm-mm. but did how quickly did you realize it like
2: halfway through lunch
0: Not ideal. We are about to get into our rapid fire section, but I want to pause before we get there and talk about actually how we all know each other. We were talking about what to do in quarantine just now, and and so we met through what what is now called Who Knows One, an online Facebook Jewish geography game show. And I'm wondering. So, I have never been a chosen one. I have been a contestant. Ellie, you've I've been a contestant, but not a chosen one. And you are a super connector. Yes. And Caroline? I've been a contestant with Ellie as Rogue Shul, as half of
1: Rogue Shul. I don't think I've ever been a contestant on my own. Okay.
0: Caroline gets called in a lot, though. That, then I was going to ask you that, because I've been called in very infrequently. The whole origin story of this podcast is that in the comments, spreadsheets became somewhat of a recurring joke, and Micah said something disparaging about spreadsheets, and then I said I was gonna start a spreadsheet podcast and then I- And here we are.
2: Yeah. I do have a Jewish geography, Zoom raising spreadsheet. I downloaded all of my Facebook contacts and filled in everything I knew about them. And I still use it when people call me.
0: So here's my question. Do you think that violates the spirit of the rule of no like shul cloud, no Facebook stalking?
2: Don't, because, so if I know Caroline for real, I do know her, but I forgot that she um, is from Rye, then it is helpful. I don't think it does. Also, it's just a drinking game. Like, the whole thing is just get drunk and have fun.
0: Right, so stay tuned, because Micah is my season finale guest, and we discuss the spreadsheet Zoom racing phenomenon and intricacies. Yes. I don't
1: think it violates any rules, but it's not my instinct, even though I love a spreadsheet, because there are so many factors in who knows one that are not, um, that don't translate to a spreadsheet. Like how close am I to this person? How likely are they to answer their phone? How many times have they been on before? Do they know how the game works? Do Do they know what the rules are? Is their Wi-Fi strong? Are they watching at home? Like, I'm sure that you could do all of those
0: things, but you're not going to for your whole list of 2000 Facebook friends.
2: Correct. So I'll tell you
0: what my, so I competed in Elijah's cup Mm -hmm. and I, my partner and I were in different locations because we're, you know, we live in the same town, but obviously we weren't together when it was happening. So we had a shared Google sheet of just sort of our most likelies. Like if they say LA, you know Stacy was like we are calling this person if they say LA and i would say okay but if DC i have these two strong people do you have someone stronger so we sort of used it as a planning tool more than a download of all the information although we did have a column that had their age range like mm-hmm. to the best of our knowledge and if they'd been prepped which is to say did they watch the show did we reach out to them and say, we're gonna be on the show at this time. So it was a very, it it was not a super functional nor super uh, broad spreadsheet, but it allowed us to not have to say, oh no, I have someone in DC. Wait, who's your person in DC? Is that person gonna be better or worse, so.
2: I did also, I used Excel in that spreadsheet to translate um, years of graduation. So if they in my very first game, the person went to Tulane. And Micah gave the year they graduated. And I was, I had like three or four friends but two of them were more likely to be there at the same time, but weren't the same age. So in that way it was very helpful. And that was a formula.
1: Yes. It's interesting though because I have a brother who went to Tulane and he'd be like my last call for any Jew that went to Tulane just because he's like in his own little frat bubble but I have friends who like went to school on the east coast or on the, or somewhere that wasn't Tulane that I would be like they definitely can get to some Jew from Tulane uh-huh. you know and that's where you have to trust your gut and yes. I think also when Ellie and I play we like to call on who's gonna have the most fun right. maybe more so than who's gonna right. get us I mean we like to win especially Ellie but um, I'm definitely more inclined to call someone who's definitely going to be on and who's going to show us a good time than Agreed. I am to call anybody yeah. else.
0: Awesome, yep. awesome. All right, rapid fire. You've okay. sort of touched on some of these already. So, Excel, Google Sheets, something else. Sub question: Mac, PC, tablet, phone. What's your what's your ideal world? Uh, PC, Google Sheets. Wow, no Google one Sheets, says man. that. No one. What do they say? They say Mac, Excel. Hi, Uh -uh. I am Mac, Google Sheets all the way. So, okay, then I need to, I need to prod a little further because most people will say, I like Excel's functionality, but I need Google's shareability co-working situation. So-
2: I only have one function that I use that I need Excel for, and it's um, data consolidation. Mm-hmm. And it and you can't do that in Sheets. That's the only thing I need for Excel. Everything else, I think Google Sheets is superior.
1: Is data well, consolidation? Excel, you can do an X lookup or an H lookup, and in in um, Google Sheets, you can only
0: do a V lookup.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. I don't do something else.
0: Is Google- is data consolidation concatenate? Is that is that no?
2: I do love a good concatenate. It's like if you have a list of a thousand congregants who all pledged to a campaign, but they each of their individual charges is there. Ten dollars here, five dollars here. Um, data consolidation will pull all of those unique members and total how much each of their charges were. It, okay. it doesn't that's just an example of how you use okay. it, but it'll take one long list, drop out the duplicates and and search
1: for any of their charges. A good spreadsheet is only as good as the data. And sometimes we're not in control of the data, especially if we're looking at a database that wasn't ours or a database that many, many people contribute to. And I think all of us have seen time and time again, people who take the short way out or who are lazy when they're inputting their data or who don't think about this stuff systematically. And it just comes back to bite you two years later when you have to pull that stuff. Right. Um, so why it really matters to put things in well and to have good systems from the beginning.
0: Yes. And we're going to talk about CRM. Well, let's jump to that. Do you have feelings about CRMs and spreadsheets? Do you know what a CRM is? Do you use it? Do you? Okay. We, do. we use mostly Shul Cloud with all of our congregations.
1: Okay. Um, again, a good, good CRM feeds into a good spreadsheet. I think Um, the more people that have access to it in the way that you want it to be used, the better, but the more people that have access to it to go rogue is not great.
0: Does it force you? So for example, the, so I've all, all, I've always worked at nonprofits. I've had one job in the for-profit field in my entire life. And it lasted about 13 months. So I feel like I'm always somewhere that's relatively underfunded or small enough that a huge investment in a CRM doesn't make sense. And yet I'm always the person dealing with the data or the subpar CRM. So I will frequently export into an Excel and do my machinations where I can physically see what's happening as opposed to trying to write a report that's gonna get me what I need.
1: I think a lot of people expect that a good CRM will not have to make you export. And I'm not positive that's true. I think like you, I've worked in nonprofits with pro- probably underfunded data specialists. Um, and I think that comes from a fear for people of using Excel more than a frustration with their systems. Um, you know, a database is designed to do many, many, many things. And Excel is designed to build exactly what you want to see in the way that you want to see it. Yeah. Um, so I have no fear about exporting, and I encourage yep. people to do so highly. But I don't think it speaks to the quality of a
0: CRM if you need to do it. Agreed. I think you've just reset my whole lens on CRMs. Thank I you. think because I thought I felt like I either there was something wrong with me or something wrong with them that I kept having to export out.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, it's possible that maybe like. Google or Amazon or other places that are very much more well-funded than synagogues are, have perfect CRMs that do exactly what folks want it to. But I don't think for the average nonprofit, that's a realistic expectation. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's just a portal for lots of different people in different spaces to peek at information. Mm -hmm. But if you're really doing an analysis, I don't, yeah, I think it's not an unreasonable expectation to have to
0: export. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've learned something. I feel more grounded. This is good. Uh, favorite command or function, and in which program? <sighs> um,
2: I have so many favorites. I love a I love a VLOOKUP. I do too. I love a VLOOKUP. But I think my home, my comfort zone, is really conditional formatting.
0: <laughs> I love a color change. Well, and that's our next question, which is how do you feel about color coding cells or typeface or, and and I typically then, if someone says, I love it, I typically ask, oh, well, do you do it conditional formatting or do you do it by hand? So. Oh,
1: do it by hand. Well, a
0: oh yeah, so, well, I am a peasant. So I, <laughs> and this is the example I always use. Um, I have a spreadsheet of all of the essays I'm pitching at any given moment. I often do my essay pitching during my lunch break. I literally have an hour in the middle of every day that we're all forced to take. And so when I am looking at my spreadsheet, I will highlight, I will change the typeface to red of if I only have 40 minutes tomorrow, do this first. And so it's when I open the spreadsheet, because it can't be at the top, because at the top is everything that's already been published. So this is sort of middle of the sheet stuff i'm working on but if i only have 40 minutes after i scarf my you know half a sandwich these are the three essays i really need to pay attention to so it's like um it's like a sticky note i use, yeah. I use that red type as a sticky note
1: i mean i think ellie and i both have the instinct to, be, to say to anybody we encounter like we can fix that problem for you we can fix your spreadsheet but at the root of it, a spreadsheet should work for the person that's using it. And if that's the system that works for you and you have 45 minutes and you need to see it quickly and it can't be on top, there's nothing wrong with that. Yep, agreed. So I'm not a But person. you could, <laughs> as you
2: were entering it, you could have another column that says how many minutes you think this this thing is gonna consume. And as you enter those minutes, and it could be a dropdown, then it could change color. That is also a possibility.
0: Right. But it's it's really not about the time. It's about what is the most urgent essay.
2: Yeah. And that probably
0: is going to change day to day and only exactly. you know that. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. So yes. I don't know how to get
2: around that then. That would need to be by hand.
0: Yeah. And I don't like like you said, there's not necessarily a problem that it needs to be by hand. I mean the alternative is for me writing a sticky and putting it on my computer monitor so right. that when I get my sandwich, I think, oh, look at that one first. But this way right. I open the sheet and often it's something that I have been frustrated with the day before. So if left to my own devices, I would not go right to that essay because maybe it's been denied by five different editors, but if it's in red, it means the news cycle is gonna move on if you don't handle this today. So. Mm. smart, Yeah, so a peasant or someone who hacked the system and made it work <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not color coding a whole sheet by hand what's the one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know?
1: That it doesn't have to be for financial or numerical data. Um, I think a lot of people, especially people who aren't math-oriented, steer away from spreadsheets because they think that's not for me or that can't help my work. But anybody in any field could use a spreadsheet to enhance their work if they have a basic knowledge of how it could look.
0: And that's, I mean, if you look back at who I've interviewed, people are all, like, people think, like, Oh, are you gonna interview a bunch of actuaries? Like, no, I interviewed like a bunch of poets and I interviewed a stand-up comedian who uses a spreadsheet to plan her routines and to keep notes on what jokes worked, when, and how. And I interviewed a farmer who like from planting the fields to running the business. So I agree with you that it is not a matter of profession. It's a matter of mindset. Um, mm-hmm. And there are those of us who like, oh, there's something that needs to be done. I shall make a spreadsheet. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I've started something as a table in Word and been like, Jamie. Oh. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. And so I have, I now don't do that anymore. But for a <laughs> while, it was like, oh, I'll just make a table. And it's like, why did I make a table? That's so stupid. So, yes. Spreadsheets I- are
2: just a way to organize information. Yeah. A lot, and it can be any any kind of information it doesn't have to be numbers at
0: all there are numbers spreadsheet people and there are word spreadsheet people and those two people often have a lot to learn from each other or run screaming from each other so mm-hmm. when i was at new jew in los angeles my cfo was legit a cpa but i was running the financial aid pr- program and i was more about needing to understand family dynamics and she was more about needing to learn numbers So we taught each other a lot because her spreadsheets are a thing of beauty, which I think, to be fair, I think a limit in a spreadsheet is I often do a lot of back end work in a spreadsheet and then we'll put something maybe into a word table or maybe to a much more pared down spreadsheet to give to like a board member. But her actual spreadsheets were things of beauty which was incredibly impressive. Um, But I, you know, I knew more about mail merge and alphabetizing and sorting and all of those things. So I'm sorry, Ellie, you were going to share your one thing. Uh,
2: I think that people maybe don't realize that spreadsheets have a little bit of intellect about time passing, that you can, that your spreadsheet can automatically highlight something when the date is today, as opposed, or when it's two weeks out, or when time has passed, and um, you can export a graph or table to um, Google Slides, and it can be dynamic. So if you're preparing something for a board meeting and you move it over, then your data—you don't have to redo it. That was mind blowing for
0: me. Awesome, awesome! Really good tips for the for the Google folks uh last rapid fire question do you and i'm you're gonna laugh and i'm gonna laugh but do you know why and how to make a pivot table yes we do <laughs> for me that's a real line of demarcation it with is and spreadsheets yeah pivot yeah. tables and truth be told and i just talked to someone this week about it in the beginning they were a nightmare to make. Yeah. i mean they have gotten excel has gotten much more intuitive about making pivot tables now so
1: I think that's another thing people don't quite understand is how easy it is to make a graphic of that information um that you can show a board member or a donor really fancy charts that came from excel that really were just two clicks that anybody could do um you know a child could make the things that we make but they look really really impressive and they
0: show data in a really digestible way
2: Mm
0: -hmm. fantastic all right we have hit our final thoughts segment so anything that is bringing you joy right now in this pandemic such that it still is that you want to shout out so books movies podcasts anything that you think people shouldn't miss
2: that's a really good question um we my husband and i just finished the hemingway documentary by ken burns and it was excellent and um I am listening to a podcast about uh, fundamentalist Christian cults that just, I think, got dropped yesterday or the day before, um, a la the Josh Duggar drama that's happening in the news. What's it and called? Do you know? It is called, I Pray You Put This Journal Down or something. I'll tell you right now. Uh, it It's really, really good. This fellow who is, I pray you put this journal away is what it's called. He, his family's from Arkansas and they were in the home church of the Duggars in the early 2000s. And he wrote a journal in real time. And so it's he and his wife who have since left fundamentalist Christianity reflecting on that time. And it is, it is really an eye opener for those of us or me, for me, uh, that I have sort of been this Duggar fan girl and watched with, um, kind of ignorant bliss about this beautiful family who's wholesome and the real challenges of IBLP and the fundamentalist Christian church. So it's, it is not just, um, you know, tabloid stuff. It's thought provoking.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know that I have a book or podcast or movie to promote because I recently have gone outside, (laughs) um, first time in many months and it is wonderful out there people get vaccinated if you can so you can enjoy the world and there's something to be said for like starting to interact with people even conversations like this face to face we've never met before um we only knew each other through who knows when. but you know talking to people on Facebook is not the same thing as talking to them in real life and We've all been trapped inside for 18 months and none of us have been at our best selves. And perhaps we've all gotten a little keyboard happy. Um, And people are a lot more complex and a lot more um, traumatized Mm. in this time than we could ever understand. And to to meet them and to see them and to talk to them, it's like a new world. Everybody deserves a
2: little grace right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to say this because I am consumed by it. My children are going to camp. Ah. and in 61 days they will be at camp and not that i'm excited for them to go i am not to be away but um not going last summer was just utterly devastating and i cannot wait i cannot wait so if anybody's listening and they have a favorite summer camp they are pulling out all the stops to make it possible for kids to go it's a costing them a fortune donate to your local camp they need it
0: well, and that's my next question, which is anything that you're working on or care about that you want to shout out, your social media handles, your causes, your business, this is your time.
1: Well, yes, I'll talk a little bit about Rogue Shul and Ellie, if you want to talk about real-time strategy, yeah. but um, Rogue Shul is our Twitter account that really was our baby for quite a while, and in December, we um, came out. So and so, as um, sharing that to the world that this was our project. And um, I don't know that we've really gotten a chance to say this, but Rokshul was so much fun for us. Really, really a blast. We've loved meeting all the people and getting to hear what they're thinking about and seeing the conversations that are happening among Jewish professionals and the work that people are doing to craft Jewish community in this moment in time is unbelievable. Um, And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to have gotten to know all these people and to have shared thoughts that really resonated and to have laughed along with people who are in the trenches of really difficult work in a difficult time. And it's been so much fun. Mm.
2: Absolutely. And now we have both moved on to a new child baby called real time strategy. Caroline and I um, are the two woman show and we are working with mostly synagogues, but a couple of Jewish nonprofits all over the country to support them in their work. Some of that work is certainly Shoal Cloud. A lot of that work involves spreadsheets, but it also is an opportunity for us to work on the ground face-to-face with amazing, thoughtful, dedicated synagogue professionals. And I think one of the things that came out of Rogue was how endearing we we found those interactions to be and that there was this whole community of people out there that we had become really drawn to and now our days are filled with dozens and dozens of just phenomenal folks who want to make the jewish world better um so we we support congregations in staff training and culture change and efficiency and shul cloud and it's Um, fun and it is really fun yeah
0: That is super exciting. I'm very excited that you are a two-woman show. I think women creating their own businesses and the way you two are just beaming right now talking about both of those (laughs) endeavors is really exciting. So We're very lucky. Yay, you. Awesome. And this is your time. This is our final question. You get to ask me anything you want, spreadsheet or not spreadsheet related. And I'm more than happy to field a question from each of you, or you can come up with a question together. I have a question. Okay.
1: Um, what is a spreadsheet faux pas that you just can't handle?
0: That's good. Yeah. So uh, we, so I am always someone who likes to know what I don't know. And I feel that in most situations I try to be cognizant of what I don't know. I think the biggest uh, spreadsheet faux pas is someone who doesn't know what they don't know and they go in and start messing with things. So I at work we have a shared spreadsheet of um, i work at a seminary we onboard adjunct professors each we have three terms we tend to onboard as many as possible at the beginning of the academic year but we may have to onboard some later so i am involved the dean is involved the dean's assistant is involved the business office is involved the librarian tech people are involved we all have different it's my spreadsheet i created it we all have different levels of um knowledge and so We've lost some columns and Mm. and that has been uh, devastating. So sorry for your loss. Thank you. I would also say, interestingly, and I don't know if this is a faux pas, but one of the things that I talked about recently was because I am the person at the organization who's always like, oh, well, a spreadsheet can handle that. I end up getting involved with areas of work that have nothing to do with my job description. And once I create something, I want it to work well. So then I don't let go of it. So it's that that danger in small organizations that tend to be siloed. I then become the person who's sort of interacting with lots of people, which has its pros, mm-hmm. but also has a lot of cons. And I've gotten stuck with some projects that literally have nothing to do with my job, just because people were aware that a spreadsheet needed to be involved.
2: I think Caroline and I have both been in that position that we have said, no, no, you can totally do that. And then we totally did. Right. <laughs> then we were
0: in. It. Right. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, all right. My question is: As you have changed jobs and moved around, have you taken copies of all of the brilliant spreadsheets that you have made, and do you re- reuse
0: them? Um, yes and no. So I got into a situation where there was some proprietary stuff going on, and I this I was working for an organization. I was, it was small and I was literally the only one who knew what to do with the entire database and what we were. So it was an Excel spreadsheet that we were trying to clean to get into Salesforce mm-hmm. but It had to be clean before we uploaded it. So I spent months and months and months and months and months cleaning it. And then I left the organization and then I got a panicked call from a colleague that they had somehow lost the entire spreadsheet. And I said, well, I have a backup from whatever, whatever date. And then they threatened to sue me. Not the colleague, her boss. So basically she said, it's okay. Jamie has a copy that she worked on on such and such. And keep in mind, I was taking my own computer back and forth from the office. Yeah. And I just, I didn't delete the last one I worked on probably because I knew something like that was gonna happen and they threatened to sue me. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So since then, I've been a little bit more like, do more. I need this? Do I need that? Although I will say with permission of bosses, you know, as I'm closing out a job or training someone new, I will email myself a copy of a budget presentation yeah. and say like, listen, I might use this. Or I've called old bosses and said, hey, remember when we made this chart? It should be saved here. Would you mind shooting me a copy of it? Because I want to base something off of it. Yeah. Yeah once
2: you get your formulas in and the formatting, ah, it really is like a piece of art that you need to save.
0: Well, I also, I, in every job I've had in the past 10 years, I've used an Excel spreadsheet as my personal to-do list. Hmm. And that goes everywhere with me. And I give that to people like people have like stood behind my shoulder and been like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, that's my to-do list. Do you want a copy? Like you should. And it has columns. Like in a lot of my roles, and I'm sure this is true for you all as well, I have multiple roles within an organization. So it'll say sort of like what department it's for, the date that I'm adding the task, Mm -hmm. what the task is, if there's a hard due date. And then if I've asked somebody for something and I can't move forward without Mm -hmm. what they need to give me, it has a column for who I'm waiting on. And then it can be sorted lots of different ways so like if you know like i i report to the dean she's busy if i've missed a deadline because the dean hasn't gotten back to me that's fine because i report to her but i might sort it to say what six things am i waiting on the dean for and write her one email that says hey just so this doesn't fall off your radar these are the things so it allows me to sort by who i'm waiting on when ideally it should be done and then when it's completed It also, because I work on an academic calendar and have for the past several jobs, I can go back to January of any year and say what kinds of things was I doing in January to make sure that next January I don't miss any of those things. So that goes with me everywhere. Brilliant.
1: We once received a scanned um, copy of a printed spreadsheet and it was like really hard for us. It hurt. It
2: was like panic level.
1: (laughs) Ellie is studying just thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, I was angry.
0: Yeah, we have our CRM at work exports to PDF or Excel. And one of my colleagues is constantly giving me reports in PDF. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Which, again, Caroline, I think you said something earlier about... You know, if someone doesn't know what a spreadsheet can do, maybe it makes sense to run that report as a PDF, it's a static thing. But when you know that you can sort a a spreadsheet and you can add on a spreadsheet and you can color, like, yeah, so I always- And um. I always have to specify because she actually works with the CRM more than I do. And so I now specify, can you run that report you ran for me regarding the bookstore and export it in Excel? I would never, like no one would ever have to ask me to export something into Excel. Like that is my default.
2: Well, you would also think that somebody didn't need to resave a live Google sheet with a new name because they added a line and then resend a link to the new Google sheet. But in fact, that is a thing you have to explain to people.
0: Yeah, that's- Not everybody is as smart as we are, folks. (laughs) How about when you have a huge Google sheet and people don't understand that you can see who made the changes? Uh, Busted. I do like to bust somebody. So we had a situation, again, I worked in the admission office. And for some reason, somebody needed to know where everybody, every faculty member went to undergrad, grad, multiple if they went to multiple grad schools, what degree they had, And then we had to like factor it in for terminal degrees, which fine, admissions wanted to like do some advertising based on that. But that's also like, as as an HR office, if you ask me, should have access to that data, but whatever. So I created a Google sheet that any faculty member could get into to input their own information because one, you entering your one line takes 90 seconds as opposed to me walking around the entire school is gonna take three days of my life oh yeah, someone deleted a whole chunk of data and you mm-hmm. can tell exactly who it was.
2: Yeah. Another mm-hmm. useful tool of Google Sheets that you can go back in time, mm-hmm. take a look at something and then return to the future. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you just need to say, what was yeah. that formula that I messed up?
1: Yeah. I would say too that there's like 95% of a time a spreadsheet should never be printed. You know, I agree. maybe there's like occasional, like, I really just need to see this on paper so I can check off something or attended sheets that you can format really well or things like that. But mm. it is meant to be an online tool that is shared and it
0: is live and it is able
1: to be changed at a moment's notice. That's what it's for. I
0: agree. I agree. Yeah. And I know back in the day it's not so bad anymore, but back in the day, once you printed it once, you got the print lines forever. Do you remember that? That yes. was like yes that drove me insane now you can change views and you can get rid of it but back in the day it was like oh my boss wants me to print this out and it'll never be the same (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the olden days the olden days oh this was so lovely thank you for taking time out of your very busy day to talk to me about something we all love and i'm so excited that we all met through something else we all love so Uh, We should all. Oh, you're welcome. We should shout out who knows one. um, Absolutely, and uh, I will see you in the chat box. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song. Sam Schindler for editing and production. Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.